Hey, I want to welcome every single person that is at our Lancaster campus. Can we just send some love to our Lancaster campus? Come on, if you're in Lancaster, if you're watching this online. It's an honor to have you with us, man. I am so pumped up. I feel so good today because I got an extra hour of sleep. Amen? Woo, my goodness. I think we should rework the calendar so we get an extra night of sleep every Saturday. I'm just saying. Man, I feel good. I hope you feel good. I hope you're ready to to receive something. We're kicking off a brand new series today that, man, I'm telling you, if you are religious, it's going to bother you. I cannot wait. It is going to be so much fun. I am going to offend you at some point during this series, and I am going to enjoy doing it. Okay? In fact, I just want us to recognize something, because really, this message is going to really focus in on some of you, like me, that maybe you grew up going to church, or you've been in church, or Christ follower for a long time. In fact, I just want to know, both campuses, show of hands, how many of you have been in or part of the church for at least five years? Raise your hand, the last five years. Okay, that's a, that's a good number, good number of people, all right? How about 10? 10, raise your hand, it's getting a little lighter. Come on, Lancaster, play along, 10, I can see you. All right, how about 15? 15, all right, all right, we got some, oh, you got, you got some work to do. How about 25? 25 years. Okay, just look around. All those people are going to be ticked off by the time I get done. So going to be good. Man, I can't wait. We're going to talk about being judgmental. That's what this series is about. Let, let me just say something. I want to set this up. Now, I'm going to ask. You don't need to raise your hand for this. But there's one thing I know to be true about you, and that is that you are a judgmental person. And I know you're thinking, not me, no, 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 maybe somebody else, somebody I'm sitting next to. No, I'm going to say you are incredibly judgmental. Here's how I know that, because all of us are judgmental. The truth is, we all judge all the time. But let's be honest. We judge all the time, okay? We're constantly judging people, judging situations. Now, sometimes some of us are smart enough to not verbalize it. Others aren't. But we're constantly judging people. Come on, let's be honest. You know, when you're at a restaurant and there's a family there and their kids are going spastic and the way their parents are dealing with them, I promise many of you are judging how they parent in that moment. We, we judge people based on what they drive. Oh, look what he's driving. Compensate. For, you know what? We judge people based on the job they have. We judge people based on the level of education they have. We judge people where they live. We judge people based on how they dress. Come on, let's just own this and recognize that we are judgmental people. We really are. In fact, today, and maybe this is just our culture, okay? But I, I think I would say that in our culture, the worst cultural sin you can commit today is to be judgmental towards somebody else. Wouldn't you agree? That's like the hot thing, right? Because people would say, don't judge me. You don't know me, right? Stop being so judgy. You know what I'm saying? Come on, turn to the, your neighbor, the person next to you, and say, stop judging me because you know they've been judging you this whole time. They're judging how you worship. He just sits there. He don't, mm, he don't love Jesus like I do. Or she's a little crazy. My gosh. We judge. Listen, here's what I've discovered. This is just my perspective, okay? I have discovered, and unfortunately many people in our world have discovered this, that some of the most judgmental people that have ever walked this earth are Christians. Amen? 
It's kind of true. We need to own it, all right? Let's just own it. I know it's hard because maybe you're like, I'm a Christian. I understand that. But if I could just speak for the church, maybe going back hundreds and hundreds of centuries, the, the truth is this, that sometimes it feels like the most judgmental people on this planet tend to be Christians. At least that's a perspective. That's a rep. We got a rep. We need to understand it. Okay, that's a stigma that sits on the church today. That we're so judgmental. In fact, I believe that the reason why a lot of non-Christians don't want to become Christians isn't because they don't know any Christians, but it's because they've known too many Christians who are judgmental. Amen? It's just a reality. And, and listen, here's what we need to understand. And I don't know where it starts, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why it gets this way. But here's what I've discovered. The longer you are in any kind of faith or religion, the more likely you are to become judgmental. That's why I said, how long have you been in church? How long have you been a Christian? Because the more years you put behind that question, let me just tell you this, the more likely it is that you're a judgmental person. You need to understand that. The, the longer we go. And so I want to kind of kick off this series by really wrestling with this question why is it, as Christians, we can sometimes, and have been, be so judgmental? I, I want to dive into that. Now listen, in the weeks to come, okay, I'm going to give you some incredible applications, some stuff that we can begin to filter our lives through that will help us to keep from being judge and jury. How do we view the world? How do we view others? We're going to learn those things in weeks to come. But before we get to that, I need to take an entire week, and I need to kind of lay a footer in the ground. So, so this week's going to be a little different, okay? I need to lay a foundation because I could stand up here and tell you, don't judge these people and don't judge that, but, but you could take and walk out of here and then it kind of feels a little bit like a parent who tells you to do something. You ever have your parents tell you to do something, but they won't tell you why? And then they'll just look at you and they'll just say, do it because I said so. See, sometimes there are things like this that, that we, we can walk out and, and not get why. So I felt like I needed to take a week and, and try to diagnose. I need to diagnose us as Christians. Why, why do we get so judgmental? Where, where does it come from? Now, now when I grew up, I, I grew up in an environment where I was constantly reminded of what is morally right and wrong every day and every Sunday. I don't know if you did, but I grew up in an environment. I was a son of a pastor, okay? So we got it at home. We got it on Sunday. Okay, we got it on Wednesday. Like, I, I grew up in an environment where I'm constantly being shown what morality looks like. All right? And I want to kind of just lay a foundation. So stick with me because I need to kind of take us on a little bit of a journey before I kind of come around to help us understand how to answer this question. In fact, I was reading a book. I've been reading a book recently called Irresistible. And it's kind of a very challenging book, but it's good. And in this, the author would, would write, he's a pastor, but also the son of a pastor. So he's kind of writing about morality from his experience growing up. And I was like, amen. I was totally identifying because it was my background. And he kind of said this, morality is really determined by two approaches. Now, for those of you who are around the church, this is, this is kind of how I viewed being right, being good, being a good Christian being moral, morality was really determined by one of two approaches. The first approach was this. I'm going to see how close I can get to the line without going over it. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I want to see like how far I can go all the way to the edge of the line without stepping over it. In other words, I'm going to play and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do whatever, but I know there's a line and I'm just going to say, give me that line and I'll make sure I don't cross it. And otherwise, I'm good with God, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like when I was growing up, it, here's the way it looked. It looked like this. Um, rated R movies, a line. We didn't go see R movies. R-rated, bad, okay? They were evil, bad movies. PG-13, still questionable, but okay, if you're 13, right? And then as you went back up, PG, a little better. Get up to G, which represents God. The closer you get... So, so the closer I got to this side of the pendulum, I, I was better. I'm a, you know, and then we didn't, that was the line though. You didn't do R. And then all of a sudden, Mel Gibson, oh, I hate him because he came out with the passion of the Christ. And it's a movie about Jesus, but then it was R. And it was like, eh, I can't, no, I don't know. I'm conflicted. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? There was that line. And so I would measure my morality based on the things I didn't do. That, that's what it was, right? Okay, so it's like that's where we draw a line. We go, okay, well, well, is it okay to drink? Maybe. I'm not sure. Well, okay, maybe, but how much? And it's like wine, okay, but beer, I don't know. Like how much? And so that, these are the lines that we have wrestled with, let's be honest, in the church. Okay? Or I remember this, like growing up, and if you ever went to a Christian school, there's always a big thing like, do they have a school dance? Right? That was a big deal. You know, because dancing's evil, except for when they did in the Bible. But other than that, <laughs> dancing's evil. And, and so it's question, are we going to dance? And if we had a dance, we could. But then it was only fast music because you can't slow dance because you got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. At least six to eight inches. Make sure there's no physical. You know what I'm talking about? And so I grew up with this version of morality. How do I determine if I'm being good? How do I determine if I'm in good with God? It's based on what I don't do. Y'all know that, right? Now, now, here's the other approach, okay? The other approach, and I had seasons of my life it would look like this, is instead of seeing how close to the line I can get, I would see how close I can get to God, right? And that sounds great. That sounds really good, right? Instead, I'm going to measure my morality not by what I don't do, but by what I do do. I don't usually do that, but it's like it worked. Do do, right? In other words, all the good things. I measure my rally, how much I read the Bible. Did I read the Bible the whole thing that year? That'd be awesome, right? Am I reading not just one verse a day? Because some of those Christians, that you know, they do. Well, I get my Bible. I do a verse a day. It's like, really? You're not a real Christian if you only do a verse a day. You know? Do chicken soup for the soul. That doesn't count. You need, you need to do the real stuff, you know what I mean? And, and so we would measure our morality based on all the things we would do. How long I prayed, you know, I had time, yeah, I spent at least 20, 30 minutes in prayer just really worrying, and, you know, I'd do that. Or we measure it by, like, all the things we can do, serving. Yeah, I volunteer and I serve and then I do this. And how much money I give, okay, that's another measurement, right? And so we have all these things that we look to in our life and we say, look, I do all these things, and so I'm... I'm a good Christian. And the higher I get on the spectrum, you know, closer to God, the truth is the more I look down and I see everybody else that's down below me. This is, this is where we live. And here's what our thing. Our morality has always been measured 
by our response to God, what I do good for God, what I don't do bad so that God will love me, okay? And it becomes a very vertical thing. Morality is vertical. I got to make God happy. Don't do these things because they make God mad, okay? Now, let me just help you understand something. If you grew up that way, that didn't just start recently. That, that actual, that concept has been around as long as humans have been around. As long as we've been around, people have been trying. Listen, every faith system, every religion basically is built around one concept, one truth, one footer, okay? And that is this. Do whatever it is to make God or the gods happy. You can go back ancient civilizations if you study about them. Pagan cultures, Jewish culture. You go back ancient. We're talking about like way back in the Old Testament and even before. If you go back to these times, what you're going to find is that the world was incredibly barbaric. Like, like most of the civilizations were anything but civilized. Okay? That they operated by might makes right. The strongest survive. All you had to do was make sure that you make the God or the gods happy. That's all that mattered. As long as you make God or the gods happy, you can do whatever you want to whom anyone you want. That's, what, that's the way people lived. And then all of a sudden, something revolutionary happened. You didn't know this because this is big. A lot of times you miss this stuff. All of a sudden, God called this people out of Egypt and sent a guy named Moses you know this story and this narrative from history and took them before he took them to this land that he gave to them that Israel is there today he took them by this mountain in the middle of a desert called Mount Sinai and it was there on this mountain that what God gave to Moses and the nation of Israel was so remarkable and so incredible and revolutionary Okay, every system in the world, every barbaric culture, every pagan world, every, every, they basically, it was, look, do whatever you need to do to make God happy. Please the gods. It's all you do, and you do that, you're good. And then God gave these laws. You know about these laws, right? God gave what's called the law to Moses to give to the nation of Israel. You all know the law, okay? It's what kind of you find in the Old Testament. Oh, by the way, most of us are probably familiar with what we call the top ten, the Ten Commandments. What was so revolutionary about this, totally new in its day, was that what God gave to them was not just about how to, he was trying to help them. It's not just about what you do and don't do in the eyes of God, but it was also about what you do and don't do to your fellow neighbor. This did not exist before this. You need to understand. This is all new. And, and in fact, you can look at the Ten Commandments, if you know this, right? The first few deal with us and God, but the last of them deal with us and other people. Again, this was revolutionary. This did not, this did not exist before. And so God gave the law, and so they had these laws. And here's what happened. The law created lines. You know the lines that we talked about that we don't step over? It came from the law. That's what the law did. The law gave us like, this is, don't step over this line. And here's what they all thought. If I step over that line, then God is angry with me. That was not the purpose or the intent of the law, but that's what they thought. If I step over the law, here's some, here's some lines. Here's some lines that were drawn, right? Do not murder. Can we all agree that's a pretty good line? We should keep that line. I like that line. It's a good line, right? Do not commit adultery. You know what that was? A line, 
Okay? And so they thought, well, if I do this, God's going to be mad at me. They actually missed the whole point of it. I'm going to show you this in a minute. And, and so they made this way so that if you kind of broke the law, you messed up. Everybody was in fear of God. That the way you got right with God is that you had to bring an animal or something you owned to the temple. That was the place of worship. And you would give it to the priest. Okay? And the priest would then sacrifice the goat, sacrifice the sheep, the pigeon. They would take the flour, the wheat, whatever the offering was. Or if you brought your offering to God, it would go to the priest. The priest would accept it. And then the priest would say, you're good with God. This is how it's happened for years. Okay? Now, this is important. And I know I'm giving you a little history lesson, a little education. But you just got to stick with me because I'm going to go somewhere with this. All right? Here's what's interesting. In that day and age, the ones that God put in charge, okay, the ones who were the judge and the jury were the priests. This is important. The religious leaders, the priests, they were in charge of the law. They were in charge to keep it, to know it, to enforce it, and they became the experts in the law. Okay, And so in order to be right with God, you had to go through the priest, and the priest would do this. And they had this incredible system that, by the way, just worked. Okay, You messed up. You came to the temple. You give it to the priest. The priest you know, kills it or does whatever. The priest says you're good. And oh, by the way, do you know one of the ways that the priest got paid? They got paid through the offering. They got paid. So here's what's cool. If you're a priest, you didn't care if everybody was screwed up, messed up, jacked up. As long as you came and brought your offering, the more you sin, the more I got paid. I think we should bring that back. I'm just saying. I'll be so rich right now looking at y'all. I'm just being judgmental, that's all. They had this system. I, I, I need you to follow me. And it was great, and it worked, and it was vertical. Do things, get out of line with the law. God is mad. Offer sacrifice. You're good with God. That's what they believe. And then Jesus came. As soon as Jesus came, he screwed the whole thing up. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay, in their eyes. Like they had this system and it was awesome. And Jesus shows up and he messed the whole thing up. Which, by the way, you might have a system for your life and a framework for what you believe. And I'm going to tell you, the moment you embrace Jesus, he's going to screw it all up. In a good way, but he's going to screw it all up. He's going to mess your whole system up. Because that's what Jesus would do. And so Jesus came and he was like, hey guys. And he's talking to the religious leaders. He's like, you kind of missed the whole point. This notion of how you're good with God, you know, because of how high up. It's like, I only watch G movies. And so I'm really good with God. And they do this. And I don't cross this line. Jesus was like, you don't understand it. You messed the whole thing. You missed it. That's what he said. In fact, I, I want to read to you something that Jesus said today. It's going to kind of be a, a framework for us. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be there. Now, now, you need to understand that what Jesus said came from this sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard of it. Now, I personally uh, don't believe that it was just one sermon that he gave one time. I, I don't believe that. Uh, I, I believe that this was a message. This was probably Jesus' primary message to the Jews. And every place that he would go and travel, he would probably give this message. And so here we are. And, and so what Jesus did, this is what kind of just messed their mind up, right? They all were told we have 600 plus lines, 600 laws. Follow the laws, you're a good Christian. 
right? That's what we think today. Follow all the rules, you're good. Get out of line, you're bad with God. You've got to get back in line. And so they had over 600 of them. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they knew them all. They were the experts in it, okay? And Jesus showed up and he said, hey, you guys know your lines? You, you, know, you know the line like that says, um, do not murder? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we know that line, we know that line. Jesus said, I tell you, don't even be angry at your brother. I was like, oh. no, I liked it better when it was just like, do not murder. Because you know what I mean? Because I could, I, could, I could play around in the line, but not go over the line. And, and so Jesus, he came and he started just to screw with their system. And Jesus says something in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, I want to read to you today. And I wanted to give you that framework, okay? Jesus said this. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar. Now he's talking about, you come to the temple, you know, you know you need to give something to God. You know you got to get him happy, make right with God. He says, you know, when you're at the, you know, you're going to bring your offering, you got your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Like, okay, I know, she's a little ticked off. I know they're a little mad. They said, I did this. I got it. Okay, whatever. Here's what Jesus said. Now, look at this. He said in verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar, not on it. He said, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Now, again, we hear that and we're like, oh, that's cute. Like, you know, you shouldn't, you know, really come and worship before you go and deal with whatever. This would have been like, this would have been kind of gasps. Because everything with being right with God was all about bringing your goat with you, and then I'm going to offer it, and then I'm good. And what ma- it didn't matter what you did to other people as long as you got right with God. And Jesus came and introduced something, again, completely new because they missed it in the first place. Here's what Jesus would have said. You aren't good vertically if you aren't good horizontally. You can't be good with God if you're not good with your brother or sister. No, no, no. We need to understand this because as Christians, we miss this all the time. We, we think how I measure how good I am with God is what I do for God or what I don't do that I think will offend God. And so we've got this idea that I'm just going to be, uh, as long as I do that, I'm good. And Jesus would say, no. In fact... Here's what Jesus was saying. Here's his message. How you treat others is really how you should measure your place with God. Not, not just, well, I don't smoke and I don't chew. I don't run with girls that do. <laughs> N- not that. And, and here's, here's what Jesus did. Now, this is so important. Jesus also began to introduce them to an idea or a way to see God that they did not see him. They introduced God as Father. Now, let me tell you why this is important. See, before he's creator God, he's Yahweh God. He's, he's the God of the heavens and the earth. He's the God that if you get mad, something bad's going to happen. If you do good, he's going to bless you. This is that God. And Jesus came along and said, I actually want to introduce you the way I know him as Father. Why does this matter that he is our heavenly Father? That all of us in creation, if you could want to look at this way, are children of God. These are, why did, let, let, me, let me show you how this matters. You could come up to me, and you could make every argument in the book 
as to why you could be good with me. You, you could come up to me after church and tell me every single reason why you're good. Hey, pastor, I come up to you and like, man, hey, man, I served and I did extra and I served two services and not just one. And I gave and you should see, you want to see my check? Well, I gave this and I did this and I didn't watch these things and I read my Bible. And you could come to me and you could give me that long list of all the things you did. But let me tell you this. You could do that and claim like we're good, right? But if you mistreat one of my daughters... Do you think we're good? Because we ain't good. No, no, no. Like, I don't care. You can blow smoke all day long about all the good things that you have done. But you mistreat one of my girls and you think you're going to be good with me? Why, why does this matter? So what does this have to do with being judgmental? Well, because I wanted us to try to understand. We have to step back. Why do we... As Christ, Christ followers become so judgmental. And here's why. Vertical morality is what creates judgmental people. When your approach to God is, I can do whatever, as long as I do these things that God says, make them happy, and don't do these things that God drew his lines, then me and God are good. And I'm here to tell you, that vertical morality where it's just me and I'm measuring myself in the line, if I get closer to God... It means I'm not like him who's closer to the line. It, it creates judgmental and hypocritical people. Case in point, when Jesus showed up, the ones who knew the law the best, the experts, the ones who enforced it, were the very ones that Jesus said missed it the most. Do you know the ones that Jesus said stand the most judged of any of them? It was the religious leaders and the Pharisees. He said, you will be judged harsher than anybody else. Those who think that I'm morally right. And let me tell you something. They were the judges. I've got the law. I keep the law. I make sure you keep the law. They were judge and they were jury. And I just want you to know this. Some 2,000 years later, not much has changed. The most judgmental and hypocritical people on our earth today are people who are the most religious and self-righteous. Like, we need to let that set in for a minute. Because I told you, the longer that you are in a faith, or even a religion, anyone, the more likely you are to become judgmental. You know why? Because you become an expert in the law. Because I know where the line is and I don't cross it. It's crazy to me, but as Christ followers, so many of us can become so judgmental. I'll give you a great example. This kind of blew my mind. Just blew my mind. You know, this past week was the devil's week. I know. It was Halloween. It's really, really a difficult holiday for Christians. You know what I mean? Depending on who grew up. Because why? I was given a line. It was like, don't cross this line. Don't dress up. Don't watch Care Bears. Okay, I'm just going back to my childhood. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It just came to me. I was just... And, and so there, there was this line that was created. And it was like, don't do this because it's the devil's day. And I, I've preached on this before. And I understand where some of the origin of some of the things that came a thousand years ago in Druids a long time ago. But I want to tell you this. 99%, if not more, of all of your neighbors and your friends and our culture, they don't celebrate Halloween because of the devil's day and worshiping Satan. It's just a cultural holiday to dress up and have fun. 
So you know what? We decided as a church, I know, I know, I promise you we were judged harshly for this because we didn't have a harvest party and we didn't do a Halloween alternative. We said, we're going to do Halloween at Crossroads and we're going to have some music that's a little creepy but not too creepy and it wasn't evil. And I know there's some of you Christians, you're like, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I got you, I got you, I got you. I understand, I understand. I understand, and you can judge us all day long. I just know that what the Apostle Paul said, he said, I'll become all things to all people that by all possible chance I might save some. So he said, I'll be the Jews to the Jews and Gentiles to the Gentiles. And I'm just telling you, we want to take something like that and redeem it for Christ, point people to Jesus. And oh, by the way, can I just celebrate that between both campuses, 55 people raised their hands to give their lives to Jesus Christ. So you can look at me with your judgmental eyes all day long. I don't care about them. I don't care. And oh, by the way, you ought to look up why we celebrate Christmas in December. Because if you found out the origins of that, you should stop celebrating Christmas too. Let's, let's keep it real, okay? But the reason why I say it is because this past week I was, I was on social media and I was, there's some pastors of some really large ministries in our country and I have a lot of followers. And, um, and so I was following them and some of them posted pictures of them going out with their little babies and their little kids and they were dressed up for Halloween uh, You know like and really it, it was pretty inappropriate. I mean some were dressed up like the Flintstones and Just it's just you know really offensive things like that And uh, you know they're out engaging their neighbors again something we shouldn't do on Halloween And so one of the things that that I found intriguing was I actually they had so many comments and I went through the comments and you should have seen the way they were obliterated by real Christians. I thought you were a Christian pastor. How can you celebrate the devil's day? I can't believe you. How wicked is that? I'm, I could not believe the response to dressing up like a superhero, like how bad this was. And I thought to myself, this is the problem. People who don't even know other people, but we think we know lines, want to stand there and judge others. And I'm not sure where we get this from, because to be like Christ, to be a Christian, that's what it means, a little Christ, I'm not sure where we get this practice from, because let me tell you this, you don't see Jesus doing that. If you don't believe me, I'm going to show you something that Jesus said. In John chapter 12, Okay, verses 47 and 48. I want you to hear something that Jesus said. This might kind of shock you. Maybe you didn't even know that he would have said something like this. Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone hears my words, but notice this, it's important, but does not keep them. I think we all agree. That's not good. In other words, if you hear what Jesus has to say, but you do not keep them, here's what Jesus said. I do not what that person. I do not. No. I bet John got this wrong. He would have said, I'm sure, if anyone hears my words and does them, I won't judge that person. That's not what he said. No, no. If you don't do what Jesus said, Jesus said, I don't even judge you. He said, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. 
There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, and the very words I have spoken will condemn them in the last day. Now, now hold on. This is crazy to me. If Jesus, the sinless Son of God, the one that I think all of us would agree, if there is anyone that has the right to be the judge, to hold the gavel in his hands, can we not say it's Jesus? The one who knew the Father the best, the one who did not sin at all. If, come on, if anybody had a right to be the judge, it would be Jesus. But if Jesus come and he says that even if you don't do what I say is the truth, I do not judge you. Can I ask this? Then why do we? Why? Why is it our job to be the MP in the Lord's army? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm right? And I'm, I've got the badge, right? I'm the moral police. It's my job to point out to you how you're crossed the line. Since when was morality? Jesus wanted us to know that morality should not be measured by all the things you do for God. But why? Because when you think about how good you are for God, you are standing in your own self-righteousness. Because you and I can't do anything good enough to be in a right standing with God. Only through Jesus can we be in a right standing with God. And so we need to understand that. It's not me up here and her down here. Yeah, but yeah, but she cusses a lot. And, and, and because he drinks beer when they play golf. And, and, and because he's sleeping with her. And they're living together. And did... Yeah, but since when did... If Jesus came and said, but I'm not going to judge them. Because I didn't come to cast judgment, Jesus would say. I came to demonstrate God's love. Why do we take it? I'll pick up the badge and put it on. It's my job to let everybody, I'm going to let you know that you're a little further down than you need to be. Come on, moving on up. And I feel like I'm a good Christian for telling you so. I know, I know. We're going to deal with this as we get into the series because everybody's still questioning. Wait a minute. Who's going to be the voice of truth? I don't know. But Jesus was the very truth. And he said, I didn't come to judge. So then what, here's what happened. So Jesus, Jesus brought in a new covenant when he died on a cross. Do you know that? Do you know what New Testament means? It's not like it's the newer version of the Bible. It's a, it's a new covenant. We're under something new, not the old. It was an old system. And Jesus came. And when he died on the cross, he said, listen, I am the final sacrifice. You know, everybody would bring a sacrifice. I'm the last one. We don't need more. Because I am. And the day before Jesus created this new covenant, he issued a command to his disciples. He said, I, I know you had 613 laws, and I know it was all about keeping the laws and not crossing the line. And Jesus said something so important. Please don't miss this. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, this was the day before Jesus would, would give his life on a cross. He said, a new command I give you. What is it? Everyone say it out loud. Three words. It is love one another. Come on, we can do it. Let's do it better than that. A new command I give you. It is love one another he didn't say judge one another he said love he said as i have loved you this is the one who said i don't judge you or condemn you do you know john 3 16 you all know that right for god so loved the world he gave his one only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life you know what john 3 17 says for the son of man didn't come into the world to condemn it but to save it and so jesus would say as i have loved you so you must love one another and then verse 35 he said by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another 
That is so big. Why? Because forever as Christians, you know what we think? The world will know that we follow Jesus by how right we are and how righteous we are and the signs that we hold up and what we declare is true and you're across that line and you're going to hell and you're a sinner. And Jesus said, no. The way the world will know that you follow me is not being judgmental, but it is by loving others. Let that sink in a minute, especially if you've been in church a long time. Because I'm telling you this, I, I have wrestled this for most of my life. The longer I, I've been involved in church, I know the rules, I know what to do, what not to do, and then we'll create new lines and we go, okay, well, it's not this, but it's this. And I just want to leave you with this thought. I just want you to, to think about it. It's really hard to love the people you judge. It's hard to love people that you judge. It really is. Because in your mind, when you're looking at them and you're picking them apart and how they don't do this and they don't do that and they're not as good as you and your neighbor didn't go to church like you and they don't give and they don't do this and they're self-centered and they're this. When you're picking them apart, it's really hard to love them the way Jesus would love them. And, and I want something to define us as a community. I, what I, yeah, I, I want to honor God with my life. That matters. Even Jesus said, hey, us responding to what he says does matter. And oh, by the way, horizontal morality matters. How you treat other people will, will change how God views you and sees you. It does matter. The Bible says, John says this, you cannot love God that you cannot see if you choose to hate your brother that you can see. We gotta love, we gotta love. I want that to be the defining mark. What would it look like if every church in this world, what would it look like if people who claim to follow Christ, if love was the thing that we held up and not judgment, not you gotta keep this rule and follow this. What if we just said, I just wanna love you because God loves you, because he created you. That's what matters. So listen, I, I know there's not a lot to apply. We're gonna get into that in the next couple weeks, okay? But we need to understand what creates judgmental and hypocritical people. It's those of us that have a vertical morality where I get as close to God as I can. I, I can never be good enough in the eyes of God on my own. And that's why I needed Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, pray with me today. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. God, we don't deserve your love. None of us. I pray right now, God, against a religious spirit or attitude, a mindset that anyone has that's in this community. God, I have to fight it constantly. Things that were drilled into me when I was younger that have created opposition between me and my fellow man. God, I pray that today that you would begin to build a new framework, a new mindset, a new vision for our lives. Just instead of being the moral police, that, God, we would see it's my job to love people regardless of what they think or believe, regardless of how different they are than I am. Lord, I just pray that love would be the defining mark of this community. I pray, God, that we would look more and more like you. We would look more and more like an object of love rather than a people of judgment. God, I just pray that you'd bring a sense of freedom right now. Lord, forgive me for being self-righteous. Forgive me for trying to, to see myself in a certain way based on what I do or don't do and how I see others. 
Listen, as we're praying, I just, I just believe maybe there's some of you here today that, that, that for the longest time you, you've been wondering, I've got to get better. Maybe you've been on the other side of that line and you're like, okay, I need to get over here and I need to start doing this and stop doing this. I just want you to understand and hear this. It's not about what you start doing and stop doing that would cause God to love you and forgive you. It's by accepting what Jesus did on the cross. And that's it. Listen, he will by his spirit enable you to begin to live the life that he hopes that you can live and experience. And it is a life way better than where you are. But it's not about what you're doing and not doing. What matters is that by faith that you embrace God's son, Jesus, who died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And he was dead and they placed him in a tomb. But on the third day, God raised him to life. Then anyone who believes in him and calls upon him will have eternal life. And I want to give you an opportunity at either location to say, today, I want to accept what Jesus did for me and not my own things, not my own righteousness before him. If that's you today, would you pray this with me? You say, Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. I know it. I'm a mess. And I need you. I need the work of Jesus, your son, what he did on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again to give me new life. I turn from my sin and I turn to you today. God, I pray that you help me to know what it is to follow you. God, I want to experience your love and I want to carry your love forward. God, I give my life to you in this moment. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, come on, let's praise God for his love today, church. Amen.